0: Hey everyone, welcome again to Saints in Society. Today on this episode, we're going to be talking about men, specifically how we think men have failed to live into their God-given role within the home as husbands and fathers. then we also want to provide a gospel-centered way of uh, viewing male leadership and what that looks like with some practical steps. And so we're really excited about this conversation. This is a topic we're passionate about as husbands, fathers, and pastors of of men who we really love and deeply care about. And so glad you're with us. Uh, Let's get into it. You're listening to Saints in Society, where we aim to equip saints to live in and engage with their society. We pray that through discussion and reading the word, we can engage culture in its terms, but not on them. The gospel speaks to all of life and provides all the answers we seek. So let's apply the gospel to our lives, living as saints
1: in society. Okay, Brad. So in the past, we always asked icebreaker questions to get to know one another Mm -hmm. more and to let our listeners get to know us. We switched up last time, heard a complaint about it. A complaint. A complaint (laughs) about it. Someone did not like it. Someone who's very personal and dear to you. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go back to doing icebreaker questions Yeah. and not speaking to cultural topics and movies and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Okay. If you had to go, so like, Picture yourself going back into your dating years. OK. We're both married men, but <laughs> so what would be the one outfit that someone would show up to wearing on a first date that you would either A, walk out on, or B. you, you would know instantly, like, this is going to be a one- date thing." Like, yeah, I'm not. Mm-hmm. This isn't going anywhere.: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what would that outfit be? Uh, essentially a deal breaker outfit a deal breaker outfit yeah
0: yeah it would include some sort of uh black trench coat and maybe like (laughs) like some uh some very high uh high knee but also high platform boots Mm. maybe you can picture the type of outfit i have in mind but uh yeah uh maybe like uh like is emo the right way oh yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah yeah or Goth. I don't know what's PC anymore these days, but yeah, uh, like lots of black and
1: uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> lots like, of I, my mom like picturing black nails. You picture what are those, uh, like legging things that are like netted? <laughs> I don't know what Net- <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about. They're like those weird pantyhose, <laughs> but are <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be part of the whole get up. Okay, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it would just be uh, that'd be a no for me. Okay, yeah, what would yours be? <laughs>
1: Mine is pretty specific, okay. and by pretty, I mean really. Yeah. If someone showed up wearing overalls, and by someone, if, if a woman shows up wearing, oh, like, overall shorts. One, I don't like overalls. Specifically overall shorts. Yeah, I don't like overalls in general, okay. uh, and my wife knows this, mm-hmm. but I don't Does like... Does she care that you don't like them? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if she wears them as much anymore, but she oh. used to. Yeah, uh, because of the shame you heaped on her. <laughs> yeah. So... I appreciate our honesty in and around outfits and mm-hmm. whatnot in our marriage. And so I'm thankful for that, but I don't like them. And then you add like shorts to that and it's worse. But then if they had either Chacos, Tevas or Birkenstocks on with socks <laughs> and not just any socks, <laughs> colorful individual toed socks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like the socks, like yeah, your but- <laughs> toes want to be so autonomous have that you- <laughs> they have their own individual sleeve. Have you? <laughs> The, like, the peak like of, I, I don't want to be bothered by having to touch the other toe next to me. The, it's like the peak of Western individualism is individual toes. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because um, these little piggies are their own individuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Have you
0: ever actually, see, actually seen someone wear this outfit?
1: I haven't seen someone wear this okay. outfit, but I have seen quite a few people wear uh, those socks. Really?
0: Yeah. Colorful okay. individual toed socks? Yes. With sandals?
1: Yes, Huh. <laughs> yes, uh, and and not always with sandals, but I've just seen people wear those socks, and I think they're hideous. Yeah, but then if you bring socks like up to your knees or even mid calf or something and do it, I'm just like, I, I wouldn't walk out. I think that's that's pretty rude. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would already have a, you know, like a fail safe option Mm -hmm. and I I would,
0: I would call you and tell you about an emergency. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It would be my like 911
1: plan. Like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. And and I would also know right away, this isn't going to work out, you know? So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, do you love Jesus? She's like, absolutely. All the other boxes are checked. But I'm like, I look down and I see those individual toes. (laughs) Wrapped in colorful fabric. (laughs) (laughs) done. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm so shallow. <laughs> Whatever. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'd be curious to ask women this same question yeah. and what, how they would respond mm-hmm. to what a guy shows up wearing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully same thing with those socks. Yeah. Okay. That should be a deal breaker if a guy shows up in those socks. <laughs> yeah. That same outfit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to dive into another topic today. Yep. I mean, we do that every time. I don't even know why we need to say that, but we're going to dive into the failure of men. Mm. And so this ought to be a fun one. Yeah, And I'm looking forward to it. And so let's do it. But let's start with this. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going rogue. Often do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Define biblically what a man is. So I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> like biologically? <laughs> <laughs> Let me say it this way. What, what is biblical manhood? Okay. If you had to frame it into a into a sentence or a short paragraph, how would you define biblical manhood?
0: Mm, would have been a nice one to be prepped on uh, it's It's a tricky question because I don't think there's a verse in the Bible that says this is what manhood is, yeah, but you take into account like the whole counsel of God, and I think actually probably the most helpful place to look is to Jesus, the ultimate man, <laughs> the perfect man. Um, yeah, so maybe my like one sentence would be. Biblical manhood is sacrificially loving and leading, uh, or, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: (laughs) I don't have a good sentence for this. Okay. Do you have one? Well, if, if you said, Rick, give me a brief summary of what biblical manhood is, Mm -hmm. I, I would say the classical children's Bible study answer, which is Jesus, Okay, which you said, but, but I would expound on that to say what, what biblical manhood is is seen in christ because biblical manhood would be a person who is fully satisfied in their identity as a child of god so christ is the only human to ever live and walk this earth who was fully satisfied in his relational identity with the father therefore he can live out what it looks like to be a biblical man he he, he doesn't need a pendulum swing we're we're going to talk about kind of the the two failure failures that we see in being overly domineering or being overly apathetic or passive he can actually because he's not living for the approval of man because he's not living out of insecurities because he's not living uh, under the fear of man even since he is satisfied in God's love for him, and ultimately he loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loves his neighbor as himself, the things that he does are actually done not to manipulate, not to prove himself, not to show how manly he is. He's not having to swing to like rise up in certain environments to to show how rough and tumble he is. He's not having to be emotionally overly emotional in certain environments to show how emotionally in tune he is and how great his EQ is and and all of that. He's getting to actually respond in every situation, and every circumstance with what it looks like to love God and love someone else. So that's not a sentence. My, my one word would be Jesus, but then a, a man who's fully secure and not what he's doing, but ultimately who he is. And then out of that, there's no warped idolatry. How is that different than biblical womanhood? I would say it's the same thing. Okay. I would say it's, it's the
0: exact same thing. So where would you have, where would your distinction between the two come?
1: My, my distinction between the two is going to have to come down to what it looks like for a man to live out of his identity as a son of God. And then what it looks like for a w- woman to live out of her identity as a daughter of God. And I believe scripture makes those two things clear and different mm. in the context of marriage and the context of the church, which we already did a whole mm. podcast on that last time. But I believe the scripture is going to unpack what it looks like to live out of those things. And so therefore, it's the do piece. In our gospel fluency model, we look at who is God, what has he done in Christ, who are we, and then what do we do? The other one is, what has God commanded? How have you failed? How has Jesus fulfilled what God has commanded? And Now, what do we do in light of this? We don't start with the do to figure out what humans do. We first have to start with God and who God is and then Mm -hmm. who we are in light of what Christ has done and who he's made us. So we have to start with the human being, not human doing, Mm -hmm. and then see what... What we do out of that identity. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I was just maybe challenging a, a little bit because you're, I think you were trying to define manhood not by things that a man does. And mm-hmm. yet eventually you're going to have to you will. distinguish between manhood and womanhood yep. through what they do.
1: And so, yeah. W- which, which is going to be awesome because if you're secure in your identity in Christ, well, I'll just say it like this, I have insecurities and the way that my insecurities come out is is I'm already loud or obnoxious or annoying or playful and and all those types of things. I I like to heckle, Mm -hmm. right? You can fill in every other blank that I didn't just say. (laughs) So the way my insecurities come out is they force me in certain situations when I feel insecure to rise up to protect myself. Mm -hmm. Therefore, in those moments, I'm, I'm needing to prove myself as a man. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be loud and and I'm going to try to intimidate you so that I can show you that I am, you know, truly a man. I'm not responding out of my true identity in Christ and the security I have. I'm pendulum swinging. Same Mm -hmm. thing when people have jealousy and a man has jealousy that can play itself out, with I don't feel like I'm enough in relationships. And so what do I do? I have to be over the top. I have to be loud, I have to be obnoxious, I have to try to prove myself in, in various ways and stuff. And so all of those stem from, ultimately, a lack of trust and rest in who we are in Christ. Now, out of the the rest and out of the security that we have in Christ, we can actually live out of the things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. Brad, if you actually like to write poetry, you don't have to be worried about someone coming along and saying, oh, you're just a very soft and tender and." Not very manly. Not very manly man. If you like playing tennis. <laughs> <laughs> we both just thought of the same person, didn't we? <laughs> People, yeah. I give them a hard time all the time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but you're, you're not worried about that. You're not thinking, oh my goodness, the only way I can prove to be a man is if I sign up for an MMA fight, mm-hmm. if I do some sort of combat sport, if I join the military, these are all the things that are going to, like you could actually just be like, I want to, serve our country and join the military and I want to get my education paid for and possibly have a pretty solid retirement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like I'm doing this to prove that I am man, yeah. A man. So Yeah. That's what I would say. Okay. All that stems from a security that we have in Christ. Yeah. Not a over corrective response to try to cope and deal with mm-hmm. mask and cover up our insecurities. Yeah. Yeah, when we define masculinity
0: Masculinity as a as a new word, man, <laughs> mansculinity. <laughs> when we try to define masculinity, oh, I
1: mean, we we still want to hold on to some masculinity. So I'd prefer that you not call it masculinity, <laughs> masculinity, <laughs> mansculinity.
0: Um, <laughs> defining it based off of things we do in order to uh, mask insecurities or things we do we feel like we need to do in order to identify ourselves. That would get us a wrong definition of manhood or masculinity. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know why. And maybe this will be helpful and maybe this will completely derail us. But, Too late for that. <laughs> yeah. But but a movie came to mind to just kind of show even the way that Hollywood pictures two different men. Great movie. Incredible movie. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Twilight. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually... Never seen it. Okay. Really? Really. Okay. Yeah. So... I, I was kidding about being a great movie, but okay. I, I'm actually being serious about who was portrayed yeah. in the movie. You have this one guy named uh, Edgar. Edward. <laughs> Edward, <laughs> like I said. I've never seen it. I knew that. I, yeah. yeah well, okay. I messed it up. It's not Edgar. It's, it's Edward. Edward. Yeah, keep going. Okay. Well, Two he, different kinds of men. Yes. Yeah. And then so you have him. He likes to be inside. Part of that's because, because he can't be outside. <laughs> because it's a vampire. yeah. yeah. But, but he's, he's very emotionally in tune to her. Mm-hmm. He's reading her. He's trying to understand her. He's very soft. He's very mysterious. And then you have this other guy, Jacob, and he's the macho guy who's mm-hmm. like muscular. He's jumping off cliffs with his buddies and doing all this stuff. And, and so it's almost like there's a separation even that is being portrayed mm-hmm. of like, it's either this or it's this. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so even Hollywood in, in some ways has kind of shown that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... I mean, we in the most ridiculous scene in that entire movie. I know you've never seen it, but he he tells her he's like, "Hey, you don't want me to step into the light." And I was like, "Yeah, this movie's finally gonna it's gonna get Something's good." And he steps happen. in the light yeah. and he starts glistening like a hundred thousand carat diamond or something. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know that. <laughs> that that didn't that that didn't, wasn't what you were hoping it, for. <laughs> it wasn't what I was hoping for. But, but but even in it, like when he steps in the light, he just becomes this more like beautiful mm-hmm. man and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that's an example of. This There's thechotomy. two types of yeah. men, and you're going to have to choose yeah. which one you want to be. Even when we look in the Bible, we don't see that. You have David. He's writing poetry. He's playing a harp. Mm-hmm. He's fighting off lions and bears <laughs> and a giant. Yeah. And, and so he, here's a guy who's embodying all of that and, and not feeling like you, you're going to have to pick sides here. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're going to have to maybe overcompensate. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I feel like we should back up. <laughs> we
0: just kind of <laughs> launched into it there. So uh, you, you mentioned- Let's just it.
1: wrap up there. Yeah, okay.
0: So. <laughs> right on time. Um, our last podcast, we made the claim or our view that men and women are created equal in value, dignity, worth, and yet have distinct roles. And we talked about how that plays out in the church, specifically with leadership in the church and the role of the pastor. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, if male and female, both created equal, both have an identity in Christ, justification is the same in Christ, yet there's a distinction in roles in the home, I think is what we're going to primarily talk about, um, where part of the role of the man, we believe, is to lead. Mm-hmm. And yet, pastorally speaking, we see a lot of men in, reflecting in our own lives, can see in our own selves a lot of failure to do that well. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's the... the reason I guess for this podcast is to speak to the the mens side of things to say okay there's you know we talked about female roles last time specifically in the church what is the role of the man in the home how have we seen men fail in that and what would it look like to mm-hmm. not fail in that right yeah y- you mentioned earlier that we see there's there's men can fall off when it comes to male leadership in the home a man can fall into two ditches that one ditch or the ditch on one side would be a domineering and harsh or even abusive, like in the extreme cases, leadership, authoritarian, that kind of thing. And then the other ditch a man can fall in would be a passive, lazy, apathetic, kind of shirking responsibility uh, ditch as well. Mm -hmm. And and we see both of those things happen. I think from our perspective, I wonder if you would agree with this. I probably see the passive side more often in men today. Mm -hmm. But maybe say more about those two failures of men where you think those come from, how those play out.
1: Yeah. And so if this is domineering hand over here, yep, and this is passive hand over mm-hmm. here, then let me call this the sin of commission, and then this the sin of omission. Okay. And so the sin of committing domineering acts over a woman, which is an evil atrocity, and it's sinful, the act of omitting yourself from Inserting yourself into a position to love, serve, and lead, which is also an evil atrocity, which is right. sinful. Yeah, I you, would. You, say,
0: you can you can commit sin and do the wrong thing. You can also commit sin when you don't do the right thing. Yeah, and so
1: we even. I mean, you look at Psalm one hundred three, and it talks about fathers being compassionate. I can only be compassionate when I'm inserting myself into a loving and engaging relationship with my children. Mm-hmm. I've talked a lot about First Thessalonians two eight. And when Paul says, hey, when we were with you, we not only gave you the gospel, but we gave you our heart and our lives as well. And so it wasn't that we were just giving you the information of the gospel, which is first and foremost, the news, that's the most important. But he also says, we shared our we shared our hearts and our lives. The word comes from where we get our word for psyche. But back then, psyche, they, they didn't have an understanding of the brain and how it works. So they were talking about their actual souls. and And so... To, to not share your heart and soul with someone, too, it is, is also omitting from from giving someone what's going on inside of you emotionally mm-hmm. and, and everything. And so, yeah, also dads, uh, after the Shema prayer in Deuteronomy, it's it's instantly like, hey, train and teach your children these things. and And so by not training and teaching your children the ways of the Lord, you're omitting yourself mm-hmm. from what you're supposed to be doing. Fathers, raise your children up in the Lord. Uh, do not provoke them to anger by, by not leading you again, you are omitting yourself. So right. both sinful, mm-hmm. it, it's that I, I think we we have seen the patriarchal hurt and harm that's come from the domineering mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's awful. Grew up with a very domineering father and, and I want to make sure that how I speak about him e- even in his death is, is honoring, but it was very domineering. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it was both that and a lot of omission as well. Mm-hmm. But, but it's really easy to spot that. Sometimes it's not as easy to spot the omission, mm-hmm. but the majority, and, and let me say this, because this might not be true for you. If you're in a relationship and you're with someone who's very domineering, I'm sorry, and my, my hope and prayer for you is that you would reach out and talk to someone. If you have trusted pastors, please reach out and talk to them. You can reach out to us. The majority of women that i have talked to so this is anecdotal mm-hmm. personal their greatest frustration in their marriage is not that they've had a domineering husband it's that they've had an apathetic passive husband who has failed to step into leadership and help lead them yeah i mean i've had women who have said i just want my husband to pray with me mm-hmm. to pray for me like like multiple times that's happened like to engage our kids, to lead our kids, to be a spiritual leader inside of our home. And so there's been a lot of hurt and frustration in that area. And so mm-hmm. ho- hopefully that answers your yeah. question. In that in, there's two. Yes, domineering. And we've seen the downfall and, and the sin of patriarchal societies and, and how awful that is. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing now as almost a response for men to take their hands off everything and mm-hmm. say, I just won't do anything. Mm-hmm. I call them the ESPN dads. Like they get off work, they kick off their shoes, they throw their feet up on the couch, and they have no engagement into the home, in the life. The moms feel alone. The moms are doing everything. In some cases, educating children even all day. And then it's like, you come home where you know, you're expected to cook dinner. Dad's just going to sit on the couch and he's going to kind of emotionally check out and physically check out and all that stuff. And it's just like, mm-hmm. man it doesn't bother me. It pisses me off. (laughs) And and so, so, so you can see that. And and then it's almost like that same dad can can be like, well, the way that I, the way that I lead my home is that I I put food on the table Mm -hmm. and I provide, and I do that sort of stuff. And I'm like, man, that is such a shallow view Mm -hmm. of what being a biblical man, husband and father looks like. Mm -hmm. And so you are forced to make comments of like, to, to prove yourself and, show how you're a hard worker and show what you're doing and stuff like that. But all the while you might call yourself a leader. I don't think you're a leader. Mm -hmm. I think you're domineering and apathetic probably at the same time, but mostly just pretty removed from what it looks like to, to provide in in the same way. Like there is a lot of passion connected to what, what we talked about in our last topic on egalitarianism and all that. There's a lot of passion in this too, because you, you, I mean, have directly seen and felt the impact of this inside of marriages, inside of church communities for a long time. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. sad. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm curious if you agree. I think the issue underneath the issue with the domineering type of male leadership, I think a lot of times is insecurity. Mm-hmm. It's like deep down men are actually insecure. And totally. so to deal with that insecurity, to feel like to like prove themselves, they become harsh and mean and authoritative and demanding. And the, the, it's it's like the the core of that is actually probably an insecurity and not feeling like they're enough or whatever it might be. And so they have to prove themselves. Do you think that with the passive, the failure of passivity, uh, it's also insecurity or would you put something else underneath that one?
1: I think it is the same thing. I think it is insecurity. So if the domineering person fills the need to prove themselves because they don't have security and assurance from who they are in Christ. And so they need to rise up and be domineering Mm -hmm. and anything like that. The, The same person on the other side, isn't resting in their assurance and security that they have in Jesus and the covering that Christ has given him and, and and even the place where Christ has sovereignly placed them and then therefore all they're doing is looking inwardly to all that they aren't and how they're not enough and therefore they're not stepping into something and so both are and uh, both are an inward look mm-hmm. an inward look at I, I'm 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 not enough and I'm insecure and you get two different responses yeah but both aren't looking to Christ as their assurance and security mm-hmm. hope treasure and yeah satisfaction uh what's the word i'm I'm trying to say here I mean that kind of summarizes it mm-hmm. they're not even looking to Christ to to give them their confidence they're looking inward yeah and, and so this person over here domineering is gonna make horrific comments like a lot of men would leave you know you if fill in the blank if if they were married to a wife like you you or mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think you know how good you have it or how mm-hmm. awesome I am or whatever those statements are and mm-hmm. stuff. And and this person up over here is just not saying or doing anything because they've pulled themselves so inward that there's a level of fear and insecurity to even insert themselves. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Maybe that was too much of a ramble, but. Oh, it's fine. Um, rant. Yeah, I think, like you said, domineering is
0: easy to spot and is pretty, I think most people would look at that and say, bad, don't do that. The passivity is a little harder to spot. And what I got it. Oh, they're
1: both rooted in shame. Okay, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Shame is me trying to do something to cover myself in some way, my areas that I feel inadequate. And it's me coming up with my own fig leaves. Yeah, and so I believe that both are coming and stemming from the same place of shame. Yeah, I'm not enough, and so I'm going to prove
0: myself be domineering or i'm not enough and i never will be so i'm not even gonna try Mm -hmm. that's the passive yeah passiveness yeah uh yeah we see, i think primarily we like you said talking to wives and i'd say even just talking to men and they're they're a a common i guess confession or uh conversation we have with men in our church is a lack of uh prioritizing time with their wives prioritizing time with their kids or uh, a lack of uh Leading the family in spiritual matters and all those kinds of things—it's mm-hmm. like a, a, yeah, a, a shirking of the responsibilities. Okay, so we're saying a lot about what male leadership is not, mm-hmm. and maybe we give men the benefit of the doubt that maybe the passivity is comes from ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't actually know what it looks like to lead. And so, yeah. how would you? We've we've talked about what male leadership in the home is not. What is it? What does the Bible say is the husband and father's responsibility in the home when it comes to leadership?
1: Yeah. Well, I think. There is a lot to be said on what it is, but I believe you could even summarize that the that the husband and father should be a shepherd. And so if you want to know what a husband and father should do, then you can look at what a shepherd does. And in the Old Testament, God is Israel's shepherd and a shepherd loves, a shepherd serves, a shepherd protects, but a shepherd guides and leads in truth. And in the same way, I believe those are all things that a husband and a father is called to do. And so I think you're right. I think in some cases, people are like, man, I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, people become Christians later in life, or maybe after they've been married for 10 or 15 years, and they're like, this is going to feel awkward, and it's going to feel uncomfortable. I want to press that a little bit. Mm -hmm. If something feels awkward or uncomfortable, lean into that, because I can tell you this for sure. It was not comfortable to have nails driven through wrists or through feet, and a Wood, or wood pressed up against a back that had just been flogged. And then Christ goes on, prior to that, said, take up your cross and follow me. Quite literally, for the apostles and for people, that meant like, you're going to be crucified. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have such a, a push back to anything that's going to feel uncomfortable in our culture and society that we're not going to lean into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were recently talking about like suffering. And so anything that feels uncomfortable, anything that feels like suffering, our tendency is just to push it away. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say... You're going to have to embrace it and you're going to have to lean into it because, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, you're not actually going to appreciate the covering that Christ has given you until you feel a little naked and feel a little exposed. And then you're going to realize your identity isn't how well you lead. It's not in how well you engage. It's not in how well you pray for your wife. It's not in any of that. You have an identity that you have prayed perfectly you have an identity that you have led perfectly. You have an identity that you've been the perfect groom. Not because we have, but because Christ lived that whole life for us. I mean, he lived 30 years of praying perfectly with the right motives of leading, of of being the perfect man and the perfect groom, giving that to us. We actually start to appreciate that whenever we put ourselves in uncomfortable positions. Mm -hmm. And so I would say it's going to start by even embracing some of the awkward and some of the uncomfortableness that comes from that. So
0: yeah i was thinking
1: so one of like a pretty
0: key passage when it comes to this kind of stuff is ephesians 5 um starting in well verses 22 and following verses 22 through 24 are well i'll just start reading it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church Mm -hmm. his body and is himself its savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands verse 25 husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes Mm -hmm. and cherishes it just as Christ has done the church, because we are members of his body. So here we have a pretty incredible and uh, weighty, explanation of the role of the husband, uh, in regards to loving their wife. And it's to do so as Christ has loved the church specifically, how he is, how has he done that? He's given himself up for her. And so the, the call for the husband to, in the leadership of his marriage and his home is a call to die. It's a call to give up his life. And I think that's where, so if, If insecurity is one of the motives for passiveness, I think another like underlying motive is selfishness. It's a, oh, yeah. It's a lack of willingness to die, a lack of willingness to be selfless, a lack of a willingness to give up things that, to give up ESPN, to give up hobbies, to, to, to give up what you hoped to do with your finances and your financial, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's a, uh, a a tight grip on all of these dreams and desires that you have and an unwillingness to let go of those and to die in order to love and lead your family.
1: And so... It- and can you maybe speak to this? Because I think sometimes people hear, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm called to die. Can you speak to how Christ says in John 10, 10, I, I didn't come so you would just have life, but you would have abundant life. Mm-hmm. But he's also the same God who says, take up your cross and follow me. So how does death lead to an abundant life?
0: Well, after Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he says that when you, when you do this, when you die, you will actually live. So he who loses his life will find it. Mm-hmm. So I think Jesus shows us what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. We have this, our, our culture and our sinful desires tell us that we are we are peak humanity when we are taking care of me, myself, and I, number one. Yet Jesus shows us that actually peak humanity, what it means to be a human is when you don't think about your own interests, but you look to the interests of others. And when you give up your life and when you sacrifice and serve and, and give yourself for another, Mm -hmm. and that's what Jesus did for us. So Jesus shows us what it looks like to truly live. And the culmination of Jesus's perfect life is his sacrificial death. Yeah. And so abundant life for us following the footsteps of Jesus is when we day in and day out sacrificially give of ourselves. That's what it means to be human. And Jesus showed us that. So that's difficult. Our sinful desires Mm -hmm. and our, the culture and world around us tell us that that is the dumbest thing ever. And so there's a lot of pressure coming in at us to tell us to not do that. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what I think we're called to as Christians. And Paul goes on to, in this passage to talk about the, 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 Marriage being this picture of the gospel, this profound mystery mm-hmm. that marriage reveals the gospel of 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 Jesus Christ. And so if we as humans are to be self-giving and sacrificial in all areas of life, because that's what it means to be human, when you do that, you'll live abundantly according to Jesus. And then marriage is this relationship that's meant to reflect in a really profound and mysterious and beautiful way the gospel. Then if in any area of life we're going to sacrificially give of ourselves, it's going to be in marriage. And specifically if, if the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, if the husband's to give himself up as Christ gave himself up, then that's going to be the place where we put on display the self giving sacrificial love of Christ in the way that we love our wife.
1: Yeah. So practically speaking, Mm -hmm. you wake up in the morning and you can preach the gospel to yourself. I am a child of God who's been covered and clothed in Christ. Nothing can change that. Mm -hmm. I I have the infinite love of God. Mm -hmm. Now, the question you can ask yourself, how can I die today? As a husband, as a father, as an employee, mm-hmm. and start with your wife. But if, when you get up in the morning, <laughs> are, are you thinking about what are all what is all that I need and how can I make my day the best day? Mm-hmm. Throughout my day, that's what I'm thinking about. When I come home in the evening, Are are you thinking about, okay, I'm tired, I'm coming home home in the evening, how can I make this the best possible evening for me? The shift is, when you come home in the evening or when you get up, your number one thing you're thinking about is, how can I best die to myself to love and serve and meet the needs of my wife? Mm -hmm. Likewise, believe the wife is thinking the same thing and asking the same question. If both are saying, boy, when I get home, I want my way, that's when a marriage crumbles. Mm-hmm. It, it is when it fails. It, it is now self-preservation. I'm, I'm gonna get what I want, and I'm gonna make that my greatest pursuit. If both are arriving saying, man, I'm gonna die to myself to love and serve the other, that's gonna be a shift and change, and with your children as well. And so if you're asking what it looks like, and, and you said death is a place that we can start, mm-hmm. Then I think that's what it could practically look like on a day to day basis. Is what is it going to look like for me as a husband and, and as a father, as, and and then go on, employee, whatever, mm-hmm. to die to myself, to love and serve others. That's a reflection of Christ. Yeah. Where it's going to get really hard is, well, what if they're not doing it back? If you spend the rest of your life dying to self, to love and serve like Christ, you will get a greater taste of Christ's love for you because you're simply modeling what a Christ, what a Christ-like life yeah. is, is lived like, yeah. and, and so. So, yeah, it, it doesn't say
0: wives submit to your husbands if they love you like Christ loves the church. And it doesn't say husbands love your wives if they submit to you. Like the church submits to Christ, it's it's a command to both to do no matter what the response is from the other person. Yeah, that's grace. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Yeah. and in a perfect world, in a perfect marriage, both people are coming to the table, just dying every single Mm -hmm. day and sacrificially giving to one another, and this is bliss. Yeah, but that's not going to (laughs) happen. So it's so there's uh, but but if we if like you're saying, if we wake up every day and say, how can I die today? You know. uh, and these are new thoughts that I'm just having now thinking about this passage. Maybe they're off, but he talks about loving your wife, love your wife as your own body. What do you do with your own body? You nourish and cherish it. And so that's how we should love our wives. And and I was thinking like, okay, what are all the things that we do for our body? Well, we feed it and we provide for it. We protect it by buckling our seatbelts and, you know, like not putting ourselves in on train tracks and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, We care for it. We clean it. We wash it. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's this preservation, this protection, there's this provision, this nourishing, this, this cherishing of our own bodies. And that's the picture Paul gives of what it looks like to love our wives, to provide for them, to protect them, to cleanse them by reminding them of the gospel to
1: nourish and cherish uh, them. Yeah. I think it's just a, you know what that makes me think of? What? So when Jesus gives the summation of the law, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbors yourself, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have to explain how we love ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we kick butt at that. Right. Like like there doesn't need to qualify it or anything like yeah. that. And and so, yeah. yeah. So it's like we are, we are naturally awesome at that. Yeah. We're both
0: meatheads. I think we know a lot of people that are also meatheads and there's people who get really into their bodies, right? Mm-hmm yeah thankfully, I'm not one of them yeah you know. <laughs> um uh so how much time like are you are you spending as much time thinking about how you can nourish and cherish your wife as you are thinking about how you can nourish and cherish your own body?
1: Well, that's even a challenge so if you said what does this look like mm-hmm. uh something that I've tried to prioritize and my and my wife can share with you that I'm not a perfect husband and have plenty of failures. But, but one thing I started to try to do to be faithful, to make sure that I'm prioritizing my wife, because again, our, our call as elders is that if we're not first prioritizing our families, then mm-hmm. we have disqualified ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning of my week, so in 1 Peter 3, he says, likewise, husbands, li- live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, an understanding way. It's helpful for me to understand what my wife has coming up in her week and and what is going on. So I try to start before I write a sermon, before I'm doing anything like that, I try to start off my week simply praying for my wife. And as, as much as I can, trying to remember to even text her, hey, how can I be praying for you this mm-hmm. week? Uh, my, my wife is very detailed and organized, and so she has everything written out on calendar. So I, I try to prioritize looking at the calendar because then I can know what what's coming up in her week and be, and be thoughtful, set reminders on my phone about praying for those things that are coming up, maybe things she's stressed about, things that she's having to take on. So living with her in an understanding way is actually not just familiar with my own calendar, but how can I be more familiar? Mm-hmm with her calendar and things that she has going on as well and making prayer a priority or yeah. making praying for her my first priority.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's get really practical, real nitty gritty. So that's one way. What's your wife's calendar for the week and how can you be praying mm-hmm. through that yeah. with her or for her? What are some other really practical ways you think husbands can love their wives, their kids uh, as Christ loves the church?
1: Humility. Okay. So you will quickly find out where someone's security is as soon as I propose this. Ask your kids and ask your wife how you can grow in loving them. Like if you want to start with spiritual leading, then you need to ask and get an honest assessment of yourself. As a pastor, there should be a culture and environment of being able to challenge one another. We've talked about this with sermons. If you can't critique my sermon, and if men and women can't critique my sermon, then I have a a security and identity that is connected to me preaching. Mm -hmm. And, And that's, you can't go near that, you can't touch that if my ultimate security and identity is wrapped in parenting, then you can't go near that and I can't receive a critique in that. So ask your kids. I mean, that's going to be really difficult for you to do because you're, you know, they're young, they're very (laughs) young, but if they're old enough, ask them, ask people. Let me give an example here because I asked fairly recently. And I think these are things that we should do commonly because we shift and change in seasons. But Mm. Allie, my wife, how can I grow? in serving you? Where am I failing you as a husband in, in this season? And we want to be affirming and be encouraging, mm-hmm. but we also want to ask, honestly, where we can be challenged. And, and and again, this is not a time to activate our inner lawyers. This is a time to humbly receive where we can grow. We have security and, and identity in Christ. But I was recently asking uh, my oldest daughter, and I said, Joey, is dad someone you can talk to about anything? Here's a her response. No. I'm like, okay, why? Because you're a boy. <laughs> and so <laughs> I said, what would you not be comfortable talking to dad about in, in light of that? And, and she said, boys and, and what's happening at school. And I said, okay. So, so I said, do you think dad is gentle and tender? Because it's something my wife told me to even ask my kids about. And she said, yes, because you talk to me nice. And, and I was like, okay. Well, I said, what is it like to experience dad? It's another question we can ask our kids. Like Like, what is it like to be in my presence? She answered that. She said, silly, nice, lovable, loud, just loud in general. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I asked her what it's like to experience mom. I asked her how I can grow. And she said for me to actually become less protective. Mm-hmm. And, and what she means is that when she's talking about boys and talking about stuff at school, I can rise up. Mm-hmm. But that's an example of me asking my kids this. I need to ask you, Brad, how can I grow as a pastor? Brad, how can I grow hey, look, You want to do a test? You, you want to do a Let's do it right now. A live test. <laughs> the last time you put me on the spot earlier in this I know, podcast. Oh my goodness. I was like. So, so here you go. Okay. As a live example of this, you've been my friend for years now and I know you love and care about me. I don't even need to preface that where where do you think i can grow and i'll return the favor to you okay <laughs> i got i'll have to go get my scroll i got a lot <laughs> yeah is this a favor <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, and again while you're thinking so you think i'll I'll ramble i think these things need to be ongoing conversations that we have uh, again i'm so grateful for the men and women that speak into my preaching it has helped me grow as a preacher and teacher and communicate but these are areas like our church family should be speaking into these things. And hopefully we have a willing desire to say, man, I want to grow and live out more consistent with who I am in Christ in all areas. And so speak, please challenge me, tell mm-hmm. me, you know? So, yeah. Well, the thing we were talking about yesterday is the first thing that
0: came to my mind. It's not like I keep a running list of these things, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think don't think about arguments with your wife in terms of winning and losing. Yeah. It, it's not, uh, it's not about winning the argument or losing the argument, but about a, arriving at unity, peace, and, and like uh, being on the same page in love when, when you get into arguments or discussions with your wife. Yeah, so, good. All and, right. Okay. All right, your turn. Uh, how can I grow
1: as a husband and yeah. or father? Okay. First, this is genuine. I feel like I've seen you and your wife grow just drastically over the past few years. And yeah, I, I would say it's even so hard for me to even quantify your growth. Even yesterday when we were hunting, you were hunting, you're talking about how much Jenna's grown and asking mm-hmm. questions and stuff. And I've seen her grow in that too, which is really awesome. But and so where where I would say as a husband to grow in, in, in as a protector. Hmm. And so when all of our words, as Ephesians 4 29 says, should give grace to the hearers, sometimes grace to the hearer is knowing that you are going to stand up, fight for them, and protect them. Yeah. And so Grace in that sense is like knowing that you have my back. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so I would say that's a way to grow as a husband. And yeah, and, yeah. and you are naturally more of a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. You're naturally good at seeing the good in people. Mm-hmm. It, it's not as natural for you to be confrontational. Not that you want to go through life living that way, but at times you're going to have to do that. Uh, as a father, this is genuine too. I think you're a really good dad. And uh, I think that's a testament to God's grace in your life. I would say hands on, but, but I've, I've challenged you with that before. Like Mm -hmm. I don't like watching moms change diapers when dads are sitting around doing nothing. Mm. And so when I saw that, I tried to graciously (laughs) challenge you on that. And so I think dads need to be hands on and get their hands dirty. And so that's what I would say. Hands on. I'm
0: telling you if I change a diaper more than my hands are going to get dirty because I'm going to (laughs) throw up everywhere. (laughs) Wear a nose plug. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's good. One of the last dates, Jen and I went on, That was the topic that we, like, discussed over dinner was just ways that we could grow. And it's, like, hard to think about stuff at first, but then the floodgates open and it's, like, you know, and it's really helpful. That's really good. Continually asking the question, as men, how can I grow in loving and serving you, my wife, my kids?
1: Anything else practically? Yeah, a couple other things practically. Mm -hmm. And, And, I mean... This is recent, like super recent, because I came to the to the conviction and, and sent out an email to you guys today uh, about how we think through our mission, vision, values, and goals for our church family, and and we're getting ready to have our staff and elder retreat to do that, mm-hmm. and then we have a word for the year, and then you know those types of things. I think it's a very practical way for a husband and father to lead their family is to just do some of those things with their family to sit down. I mean, depending upon the age of your kids. Uh, sit down with your wife, sit down with your wife and kids and say, hey, what are things that our family values? What mm-hmm. are some of our goals for uh, 2024? And write those things out. And part of the goals is if kids are old enough for them to develop goals, but part of goals is also, so the the small family of a husband and wife and their kids, that is a small reflection of what the local church is to be. And then the local church is a small reflection of what the universal church is supposed to be. And so part of the goals is lining out, how are we going to love and serve our church family this mm-hmm. year? And, and And then write out some of the goals. Uh, for yourself. Hey, I wanna grow in praying for my wife. I'm gonna grow in praying together with you. And then again, taking an action step and doing that. Family meetings. Hey, this year, I would like to lead our family through a family meeting. Once a, once a week, we're gonna sit down and we both get to start off encouraging one another. Then we both get to start off, our or then we can challenge. So if there's difficult stuff that we need to talk to, it's not a time to defend ourselves. It's a time to listen empathetically to one another. It's also a time for us to look at our calendar, to look at our finances and all those types of things and, and to guide and lead those conversations. And, and so I think, yeah, those are some practical ways A family meeting uh, and, and guiding and leading those. Even telling your wife that you want to do that is a step in leadership mm-hmm. and, and, and being honest, being like, honestly, I'm so nervous about this. I feel like I'm just gonna fumble through this, mm-hmm. but I wanna grow in this. So please be patient with me because I'm trying to lead our family and this is really awkward and uncomfortable for me. Uh, take your kids out on dates, like engage them. Mm-hmm. ask them heartfelt questions ask them how you can grow love serve and protect them mm-hmm. and, and and yeah i think family meetings i think like a family kind of i'm calling it family leadership but like looking at the whole year of, of 2024 and then trying to guide and lead a hey, part of that is i put like good old fun like kids what are some of the expectations that you guys have your dreams and your wishes mm-hmm. that we had prioritized as a family oh laser tag once a week or something like that, you know? Whatever it is, like like let's write those things down and, and let husbands lead through that and let fathers lead through that, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. What would you say practically? Uh,
0: I think the things that were on my mind were a couple things that you t- you said would happen at family meetings, but I think encouraging our wife and kids, I think it's just so hard, maybe it's just me. I think encouraging things about my wife mm, that's good. about my friends or about my kids
1: and I, Boom, that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah. And then
0: it's like, great. You thought about it, huh. but you haven't actually encouraged anyone. So I yeah. think just, uh, I'm speaking like to myself here now, even just like identifying the ways that God is sanctifying your wife and, and pointing those out and like in, t- encouraging her with the things that you're seeing God do in her life. Uh, that can happen at family meetings, but I think it could be an ongoing thing as well. Um, and the same with challenge. It's like there, there's, and the challenge comes easier if you're also encouraging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. So I think part of leading is a guiding and directing as well, like a protection, like you challenged me in a protection of your wife's heart is also a protection from her mm-hmm. and her own yeah, sin, that's good. you know? Yep. And so there's ways you can do that that are helpful and unhelpful, but that doesn't mean doing it's bad, right? So protecting our wives from their sin by helpfully, like graciously calling out and challenging. And then the other thing, and this, you, uh, I'm Maybe this isn't, maybe this is just me and not like a biblical thing, but I think husbands should be decisive. Maybe this is like a personality thing. I know I'm very indecisive. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You know? And, uh, and that's where like the apathy and the passiveness and the like, whatever you just decide kind of thing. I don't know. I think there's times where part of what it looks like for a man to lead is to step up, make decisions and then admit if it was a wrong one, you know? That's Um, good. Oh. And then the other thing I was thinking of is, uh, apologize. Mm. I think sometimes, especially with our kids, yeah, our kids are really that's young. Good. Our kids are really young, but Jen and I both try to make it a point that if we like feel like we disciplined out of emotion or if we overreacted to their behavior or, you know, we told them something and we we didn't follow through on it. We, we try to like sit down with Riggs because he's the one that talks and, and apologize. I don't think he has any idea what we're saying, but mm-hmm. we want that to be a habit that we're not too like proud to say we're sorry and admit that we messed up parenting our kids to our kids you're modeling you know? your so, own need for grace yeah and yeah. especially to each other to like not wait for the argument but to be quick to apologize to your mm-hmm. wife if you recognize that you did something to hurt her yeah. or
1: harm her so. yeah let me maybe say this in, in wrapping up again i think all this can be awkward and, and it can be uncomfortable to even start and know where to go with all of this if you haven't been doing any of this it's all going
0: to be awkward totally it's going to feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill yeah and so persevere
1: <laughs> but but also don't avoid asking your family difficult questions about yourself because what you're doing is you're denying yourself an opportunity for maybe the spirit to rip off some of your fig leaves and some of the uh to deconstruct so to speak some mm-hmm. of the false image that you're building and hiding behind and allowing Christ to remind you of the ultimate covering that you have. And so that's going to be one of the very tangible and practical ways that you are going to appreciate and experience the beauty of the gospels by actually receiving some of those things. And and so, yeah, and we'd be more than willing to share resources of how you can put together a family guide and how you can lead through some of these things. And so if there's more questions like sure. that, we're going to have a Q and A at the end of the season. And so we would love to help answer any questions. Mm-hmm for you guys with that. But I think this is something that if it's modeled inside of the church at large, I think it's gonna be really beautiful and really attractive and it's gonna make both men and women go, I wanna be a part of that family or yeah. this is beautiful, this is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah,
0: yeah. That, and thinking about how to end this, I want to like end with a challenge to men to step up, mm-hmm. like to to stop being passive, to stop like getting rid of the responsibility God has placed on you as the, the leader of your home and to start dying. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when that happens, we will see transformation in our families and our homes and our kids and our churches and our communities. And I think like much larger than that, we'll see transformation in our, our world and our culture when, yeah. when men and women both, but we're speaking specifically to the men, start dying to ourselves yes. and living life outward focused.
1: Yeah. Step up and also wives, please give a lot of grace and patience that it might not look the way you want it to. And when you give that feedback that maybe it's not looking, men, remind yourself of your identity in Christ. Don't Mm -hmm. use that excuse. Well, I tried to lead. And as soon as I tried, I was corrected and critiqued and, it didn't go well, and so I'm not doing it anymore. It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's a process. <laughs> you, you, you keep leading. Yeah. You keep pressing. You keep trying. You keep seeing how much you are not a perfect leader. And every time you see your imperfections as a leader, you go, I'm a perfect leader in Christ. Mm-mm. And press on. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Saints in Society. We hope this is helpful as we've addressed the failure of men. And if you have any questions about what we've talked about today, send in your questions, because we would love to address those at the end of the season during our Q&A.